0: everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've only met virtually. We are both a part of the Catholic Podcast Collective and recently recorded an episode earlier this year together. She is the co-creator and co-host of her own podcast, Raising Saints, and also a blogger and the creator of the Transform Our Hearts blog, as well as a wife and a mom. It's Alexandra Sullivan. Hi, Alexandra.
1: Hi, Julia. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. It's my last couple of, you know, days, weeks of summer. And so I'm feeling relaxed and refreshed. Not sure I'm totally ready to go back, but (laughs) (laughs) it's here, whether I like it it or not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I'm trying to enjoy the last couple of weeks as well. Getting in all those last minute things that we want to do our bucket list, you
0: know? Absolutely. Um, What are some of the things that you have on your summer bucket list?
1: You know, we, we want to do a lot of swimming. I have three kids, and they're 11, 9, and 6, and they pretty much just want to swim. And so we did some vacation, and now we're spending the rest of the summer at home. We're going to hit the pool we might do a zoo trip, little things like that. So just really making the most of it.
0: I love that. I love summer. I'm also a big pool and swimmer person. So I, I love the summer so much. Plus I'm a teacher and I you know get the summers off. So I'm a little biased.
1: <laughs> it is a nice feature being a teacher.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. It's one of the perks. <laughs> so I said a little bit about you Alexandra in my introduction but what else would you like to share with the listeners about yourself?
1: Um you know one thing I was going to say you mentioned that you're a scripture teacher and you have a degree in theology and I'm actually in the process of getting a degree a master's degree in theology. I obviously later in life I I came to um, the faith as more as an adult in my late teen years and, and, and getting into my faith as an adult. And so I've been learning a lot as I, as I go. And I, after a few years, I just really felt like this was something I wanted to pursue. Um, and so I'm going back for a degree now, and I am loving every bit of our scripture classes. Like I, I, the first class we took was salvation history. And Mm -hmm. I had never read that much of the Bible. Now I've done a lot of my own, but like we immersed ourselves in the entire story and I loved every second of it. And I'm looking forward to future classes where I get to go deeper into that as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast as Catholics. We, you know, we read a lot of scripture, hear a lot of scripture at Mass, and, you know, the Mass is full of scripture, but I really don't, I feel like I, I went to Catholic school and like I just don't feel like we went as in depth. You know, as you're describing um, yeah. in the Bible, so it's one of the reasons I'm doing this. So yeah, I'm glad I remember that, you're, you're in, doing that. yeah,
1: absolutely. I remember in ninth grade we had to take. Um, I went to a Catholic high school, and in ninth grade we had to take an old Old Testament or something like mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. when you're fourteen, like I, you know, I had no real grounding in the Catholic faith before that, so it was all just like names I needed to remember, you know, and I don't, I don't think I embraced or understood the storyline through that mm-hmm. class and and now as i'm going back i'm like how do we not how do we not teach this to every catholic you know how do we not mm-hmm. I, I it's just it's it's really mesmerizing to me that everything just is knitted together it's amazing so mm-hmm. yeah the
0: salvation history that you're talking about seriously yeah. i know what you mean i also don't want to throw my Religion, high school, religion teacher under the bus, but I just remember watching like Fiddler on the Roof. (laughs) I was like in the Old Testament class. I'm sure we did more than that. And I, I also was like 14 and didn't really care at the time. So exactly,
1: yeah. I think there's some of that.
0: Yeah. All we can hope and pray is that our students and our our kids are holding on to something these days.
1: (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Funny story. Um, the school where where I took class uh, to did high school. Excuse me. Words. Um, they had these dogs that roamed around the school and like inside one,
0: the building yes yeah so <laughs>
1: they would just like pop into classrooms and I remember one of them saying that one of the uh brothers telling us that the dogs one of the dogs commands was the name Nebuchadnezzar oh <laughs> and I remember sitting in my ninth grade class going well who is that you know like it's so ridiculous yeah. but anyway that's
0: just a random oh my gosh. Side wait vote. but now I want to know more about these dogs so like, were they, like, service dogs that were, or, like...
1: So, yeah, the school was run by an order of priests and brothers, and they were their uh-huh. companion dogs, and okay. they were super friendly, and they mo- spent most of the time in um, the counseling office, so they were almost okay. like therapy dogs in a way, not sp- specifically trained for that, but that's where, where they spent most of their time, and then they were just let to roam around the school at times, so...
0: Oh my gosh, that's cool. That's pretty unique. Well, I'm excited to talk about scripture since we both love it so much and have a little bit of a background. You've chosen um, John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. Um, So whenever you are ready, I'm gonna have you read that for us.
1: Okay, this is the story of Jesus's appearance to Mary Magdalene. But Mary stayed outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there one at the head, at one of the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener, and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary of Magdala went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and what he told her.
0: Okay, this is a beautiful encounter. I'm just going to give a little bit of background to kind of where we're at in John's gospel. And I feel like we've heard a lot. We've been hearing from John at at mass recently. We're in August right now. And I feel like a lot of my guests have picked kind of like passages from John, maybe because of that we're hearing a lot um, from him. Yeah. Um, But this, you know, John is unique. He's not a synoptic. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have similar information. And all four of them do give resurrection accounts, but they're all a little bit different. And John's is certainly... More different than the synoptics then. Um, in John's gospel, it, actually in all four gospels, Mary Magdalene does go to the tomb. In some of the other gospels, um, she goes with other women. Um, in John's gospel, Peter and John jo- join her and they run ahead. And then after they have run and they've seen the empty tomb in John's gospel, um, Mary has this encounter, which is unique specifically to John's gospel. And you know, Mary actually has this interaction that we're, we're going to talk about Um, I don't know if you want to give any other like kind of background or kind of context in terms of like this scene.
1: No, I I mean, I think that's that's pretty much covers it all. Um, Mm -hmm. But I like I do like that it's unique to this gospel Mm -hmm. and it's, Mm -hmm. it's very different than the other appearances. So,
0: yeah, it's definitely more intimate. I mean, all of them talk about her going to the tomb and seeing that it's empty and going back to tell the other, um, apostles actually in Mark's gospel, Mark does this weird thing, which you're probably learning about in your scripture classes where it's like the messianic secret where like they don't go and tell that Jesus has risen. It's so weird. But then anyways, and it's also interesting in all of the, um, like post resurrection narratives, like they don't recognize Jesus at first, like yeah. whoever Jesus appears to in these post resurrection scenes, they don't recognize him at first. And so I definitely want to talk about like, you know, her reaction and, and interaction with him. So my first question for you, though, is why did you pick this passage, Alexandra?
1: Yeah, so um, this is one of my favorite stories in the Gospels, and um, I, it was important to me as I I kind of had like a, a conversion, a, a reversion, if you will, whatever, mm-hmm. the last like five years or so, um, maybe even a little bit longer now. And at that time, I had I struggled a lot with like Uh, Having an intimate knowledge of Christ before this, right? And so this passage in particular, when he calls her by name and Mm -hmm. that's when she recognizes her, that part always has resonated with me because I felt like when I went through that reversion and the deepening of my faith, I felt like that was actually happening to me, that that Christ was actually calling me by my name and calling me into an intimacy that I didn't have prior. So this story always resonates with me for that reason. And uh, there's more here, but that's the, mm-hmm. that's the main reason why it's always appealed to me. And then as time went on, I've studied it. I come back to it over and over again, just because it feels like it is going to sound weird, but it feels like home. Like it feels mm-hmm. like, like some, some sort of parallel to my relationship with Christ in a way. So that's, that's why it's one of my favorites.
0: It is. And I'm glad that you, I know that we had kind of gone back and forth, like which one were we going to do? I'm really glad you picked this. It's always so interesting. And I mean, definitely God, when I, you know, I don't know what people are going to say and why they pick certain passages. But I'm really glad that you brought this one because it is a very intimate, um, you know, encounter. And I think that's what we're all longing. You brought up how he calls her by name. And I have that noted in my Bible as well. Yeah this particular Bible that I'm using, I had gotten when I entered a convent. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I've shared this yeah, um, with you before, but um, that year was very difficult for me and I struggled too. And I feel like I underlined that line about him calling her by name, you know, to kind of give myself some kind of consolation, um, you know, during that time. So I don't, we can definitely speak more to that, or we can talk about um, all the other great things that are here. What else stands out to you from, from this passage?
1: one of the things that that I've always wondered in this passage is the part where he then said, he calls her, right? He calls her in an intimate way and she finally recognizes him and he, and he says, but don't hold on to me. Stop holding yeah. on to me. And I always, like when I first started reading this, I thought, well, that's really weird. Like why call her? Why appear to her and then say, oh, but stop, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that, that tended to trip me up. A bit, you know, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then as I've grown, I've come back to this and I have finally sort of started to sort out what he what he's saying here. And and I think it has a a bit to do with emotional detachment more than anything Mm -hmm. else, because as humans, as as material and spiritual beings, we have this tendency to to hold on to the things that comfort us physically. Mm -hmm. But we're called to much more than that in our, in our spiritual nature. And I think that that's the point here that that Christ is saying, look, there's more, there's way more for you, but you need Mm -hmm. to let go of physically that the consolation of having me present. And I think it's a, it's a really important lesson that he's trying to teach her there, even though to us, it sounds very, like very abrupt. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it grows on their ongoing relationship. It's not like, you know, I know you're attached to me, but you need to stop. You know it, it's a <laughs> it's it must be a lesson that he's been trying to to teach her over the course of time, and really, I mean, he he calls her to then be the apostle of the apostles, mm-hmm. you know, as we as we call her. So you know, he, he's showing her, look, like, yes, I know you love me and I love you, but but there now there's more. There's more mm-hmm. that's, that's called of you. There's more that I want to give you. And that's what he does, you know, and he gives her this special privilege. So as I've grown, that's really started to resonate with me because I think we all do that. We all hold on to um, mm-hmm. the things that make us comf- you know, give us comfort. So, and that trips us up, you know, it, it, it can impede our spiritual life. It can impede um, what Christ wants to do through us.
0: I also have that line underlined, stop holding on to me. And I think we can talk more about like all of that, that what that means. I like how you mentioned that it's referring probably to her emotional attachment because at the beginning of the passage, like in verse 11, um earlier in this i had mentioned like peter and john are mentioned in john's account where they run up to the tomb but she stands outside weeping and so maybe that's what he's referring to to you know with her is like you know she's kind of staying back in this moment mm-hmm. and then as you mentioned she is meant to go out and i love mary magdalene i think mary magdalene gets such a bad rap like people <laughs> refer to her as like this prostitute and it does say in mark's gospel that like jesus cast her out, like cast demons out of her. So there definitely was like something going on with her. And then they Mm -hmm. had this kind of, um, you know, this, this is a very intimate passage. Like they obviously had a connection, but I don't think we give her enough credit for like, then he tells her go and all of the gospels, she is the one who like, you know, goes Mm -hmm. and tells the others. And so I think you're right. I think that the stop holding on to me refers to her kind of initially holding back and crying. And maybe he doesn't want her to just be paralyzed in that emotion, but to like say, like, you don't know what what I have in store for you. And right. you know, he mentions that he is not yet ascended to the Father. And later in John or earlier in John actually talks about like the Holy Spirit. And so I just think he wants to remind her there's so much more. There's a purpose to all of this um but you're right it sounds very abrupt in like that moment where he's yeah. you know she's crying because her friend who is dead is not there so like it's a normal reaction yeah. and he's already kind of like being like you know, don't get so emotional. I have all these plans, you know. So, I don't know, do you want what would you like to say about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is funny like that. It does it does seem very abrupt. Like just you stop, you know. Right. <laughs> but but we know that that's not that's not who Christ mm-hmm. is, right? Christ is not one to make us to belittle or make us feel small or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. that's our projection, I think, onto mm-hmm. the onto the verse, and we need to be really cautious when we read things like that you know, or even above, like, woman, why are you weeping? Well, that could be read with a tone that is not intended. Because when he refers to her as woman, or when he refers to his mother, Mary, as woman, Mm -hmm. that's actually ties into the Old Testament, and Eve, and and, and Mm -hmm. she is the woman, you know. So we need to not take our 21st century, you know, interpretation and put it on the text. So it could be said very gently, like, just come, mm-hmm. stop holding on to me. Like, I want to show you more and you have, you know, be ready for that. And, and I think that's more what it is more of a, a guidance, more mm-hmm. of a, I know it's coming and you can trust me. Yeah. So I think, I just think that there's more here than, than we first at first glance get from it.
0: Absolutely. I, I like how you brought it up. I feel like um I've had a couple of guests recently talk about reading the scripture with a different tone and so i like how you brought that up as well because i think you're right in our 21st century we read this as like woman stop doing this but like jesus would as you mentioned he's he's not going to talk to her like that they have this you know he casts demons out of her like they have this like intimate knowing he calls her by name they they know each other and um i like you know Again, as scripture, as we start to study scripture, we do get the connections for salvation history in the Old Testament. You mentioned that Eve is referred to, you know, as woman, and there's all these references. Um, So it's a it's a more intimate, um, purposeful, yeah, you know, yeah. It's not a condescending term, right? Right. Um, Exactly.
1: Yeah, and and just remind. He's asking, "Why are you weeping?" He's he wants her to 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 express what it is that she's feeling too. It's Mm -hmm. not a he knows why she's crying. Right, know? right.
0: <laughs> Anybody at a tomb, we wouldn't really question why they're crying, you know? Right, exactly.
1: And so I, I, you know, it's it's good to remember that when we're reading it. You mentioned before how people don't recognize him. And I think mm-hmm. that's that that's an important part of this too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she thinks that he's the gardener, which is interesting because I don't know if this is, is has any relevance whatsoever, but God, the father, the creator in, in the garden of, of mm-hmm. Eden, you know, I think that there, there's some, something here making us think about that. Like he, he's now appearing in the garden in, is he, mm-hmm. is he recreating that world, you know, it, and he calls her woman. And so there's a lot of nuance here that I think we tend to glance over. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't recognize him. And I, and that's always so interesting. Well, why don't they, why don't they recognize him? You know? Yeah, I
0: think it's a I think it's like a logistical. I mean, they really think he's dead, like I think about the Rochemaeus I talked about recently and that's like the, you know, where I got the name for this yeah. podcast and they don't recognize him till after they've talked with him. But I think it's because initially like they're not expecting him, you know, like they think it's a ghost in many of the post-resurrection narratives because they, you know, they think he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't understand the resurrection yet. Like we can read this and we can be like, you know, he's resurrected. We get it. But they yeah. don't they weren't expecting that even though he told them several times like I have to rise on the third day but I think that's the initial just like shock of like yeah this person you know yeah yeah
1: absolutely right because why would they why would they expect it why would they Mm -hmm. think oh he's going to be here but we would think well but wouldn't he look the same yeah you know and and I think we have no clue, right? right. We have no right. clue what a resurrected glorified body would look like, right? right. And we have no clue what what our bodies will look like when we get to there if, you know. Mm-hmm. It, so, I think there's probably that that factors in here too, you know, is he maybe was unrecognizable at first, you know, or maybe, uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But it's it's a mystery that that is good to think about too because we come in with our own preconceived notions of Mm -hmm. who Christ is or who the Holy Trinity is in general. Um, You know, especially with, with God, the father, you know, we have these ideas based on our own personal experience of what a father is even. So Mm -hmm. um, this, there may be a little bit of that, like Mary thinks she knows who Jesus is, but then ultimately she she doesn't recognize him. And that just points out a little bit of, of our blindness and our inability to see things the way they are. We, we need to remember that too. You know, we're, we're looking for Jesus as, you know, to Mm -hmm. fit our box, our Mm -hmm. description, and he transcends all of
0: that. Absolutely. He said so many great things there. Like the garden, I definitely think there's a connection there with the way that he calls to her. And that, I don't think that's a coincidence. John was writing for, a Jewish audience. And he often references like his whole gospel starts with mm-hmm. a direct correlation to Genesis. Like if you read the narr- the opening narrative from John's gospel, it yeah. matches up pretty much like Genesis one. So I think that that's not a coincidence for sure. And I think it is like he's trying to teach her in this moment. He's asking her all these questions like, whom are you looking for? So like you were talking about Christ's identity, like, we can all look, think about that question. It's so deep. And yeah. and John does that in the crucifixion scenes too, where, you know, Jesus and Pilate are interacting and Pilate's like, well, are you the king of the Jews? And he's like, I, you know, like, who do you say that I am kind right. of thing? Like, um, I just think that's very John. And I just think it's also there to, for the reader to have us reflect on these questions. Like, you know, whom are you looking for? That's such a deep, question and and she calls him teacher here so I think all of this is meant to teach you know And she recognizes him as a teacher and so I think that's that's there for us too these questions are here for us to yeah you know to ask ourselves
1: it's pretty amazing how how much you can get from one one passage and I know um,
0: right (laughs) (laughs) well I always like so the point of this podcast too is is then to you know we've kind of talked about the background of this and just kind of analyze what's going on with her Um, and we've applied a little bit to like but what can you know what can we take from this? How can we apply this passage to us, to our world today? You know, maybe if he's somebody who isn't necessarily a believer, like you know, yeah. what can we what can we take away from this? Do you think?
1: I think the reason this this passage appeals to me, I just I love Mary Magdalene in general, mm-hmm. um, and the that she went from like you said, possessed by demons or demons being driven out of her, to this um, intimate relationship. And I think that that, that is so, that's, that's everyone's story, you know, <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're not possessed by demons, but we are antagonized by temptation and antagon and, you know, um, bogged down in sin and, and, and all of these things. And that in an instant Christ can transform us from mm-hmm. that life to a totally new life. So that, that always appeals to me, like, you know, I just I just I don't know I just love that and then to take you from that that depth of despair to being again the apostle of the apostles the one sent out to tell his cherished friends about his resurrection and I love that he uses people who are not clearly not perfect Mm -hmm. clearly not perfect right like her whole backstory and he uses those people in a way that is amazing, you know, that you would mm-hmm. never expect. And that that always appeals to me because I think that we are always looking for affirmation or we're looking for the next thing to feel like we, we are important or that we have some value or some purpose. And um, that's like the human condition. And to know that as messed up as we could have messed our lives. hmm God can transform all of that and use it, use that for, you know, even, even greater things. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, I just, I always come back to this passage when I, especially like if I'm feeling particularly down or feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, like frustrated by whatever past, past things that come up or just falling again and just remembering like, look, this, this is what, what relationship with Christ does. And Absolutely. yeah, so that, that's just that's always so beautiful to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I feel like every passage people pick, I'm like, oh, there's so much here, but there really truly is. Like, you can look at this passage, you know, for what it is, like her, his relationship with her. You can take it and say, like, well, this is him speaking to me, you know, like, stop holding on to me. What are the things that I am holding on to? Yeah. Whom are you looking for? Like, who is Christ to me? And we all, as we kind of started by saying, like, we all want to be known, to be called by name, you know? Mm -hmm. So like maybe who are the people in our lives that that do really know us? Maybe there's something keeping us back from having those kinds of intimate relationships and what are those, you know, barriers? I don't know. I mean, you really can look at this. And like you said too, like how Christ can transform and how he, calls the outcasts and the people that you you think aren't worthy or wouldn't be worthy which is really us you know yeah. and uses and uses them for these great things that she's gonna go and be like the first evangelizer yeah as a woman like in especially in this time period like it's very you know yeah. uh inspiring countercultural. for me yeah and countercultural and so then that reminds us too that like our faith should be countercultural and and just how we can uh you know again apply that today like to be a woman evangelizer like that would yeah. have been crazy back then but also it's kind of hard right now you know like for us women yeah
1: absolutely and just just to know that like your story is the thing that evangelizes like your encounter Mm. with Christ is the reason that you can now evangelize I think we sometimes forget about that like how important the personal witness is Mm. because it's her personal witness that's so amazing you know Demons possessing her, transformation, she's at the foot of the cross. I, that's, that's just, I don't know, that, that always resonates with me. Like, whatever your demons were, you can now tell people that I've been set free from those things because of Christ. And that, that's just always, I don't know. It, it's hard to think about that, that, that the, the lowest part of our lives can be mm-hmm. part of the story that transforms another person's life.
0: Oh, that's so well said. I mean, I kind of got chills when you were talking about it. I think as an academic, and I've said this before on the podcast, I get so wrapped up in like the story and the connections and the, you know, the context, but like what you said about our stories and like her story, like that's what made her like the first evangelizer is like that, that relationship. And for us too, like to like, it's my encounter with Christ that really started this whole journey. You know, I could study and I can read books and I can read and write dissertations and stuff. But like, why am I doing all that? Well, it's because of my relationship with Christ. So I think you're right. We need to go back to that. So that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's so important.
1: (laughs) Well, Holy Spirit. (laughs) I know, right? I know.
0: So we're going to, we're getting towards the end of the episode. Um, What are your final, what would you like us to finally take away from like this passage?
1: I, I think it all comes back to remembering who you are in relationship to Christ and remembering that 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 is the central relationship in our lives and that he he wants to call each of us he does call each of us by our own personal name and wants us to respond in turn and that when we're feeling low when we're feeling alone when we're feeling despair like he's there we just may not recognize him you know and, and yeah so
0: no, that's so well said. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just got so like <laughs> we may not recognize him, you know, like he's there, he's calling us by name, but we don't
1: yeah. recognize him. Yeah, and uh. and just yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> no, I so well said. We, I mean, I I love. I often am like, you know, do I want to keep doing this podcast? You know, school is starting again. But then it's these moments and these encounters with like people I don't even really know that we can talk about this and, and it helps me and it takes away something that I can take away with for my prayer. So I hope that it, it helps with other people too. So
1: yeah, it's really amazing when you start with because scripture lives on its own. It doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't need us, but it, we, we can evangelize and we can use it and we can tell other people about it. And it, it's just every time I crack open. The Bible, I'm like amazed by what I find there. So
0: yeah, it's a living document. And I think we forget that. I think sometimes we think it's like a historical book, you know, and it is yeah. that too, but it is a living document. It's, it's, it's sacred. So yeah. uh, thank you yeah. so much, Alexandra. At the end, I like to give people a chance to plug any kind of projects or websites. So I know that you're involved in a lot of things. What would you like us to check out?
1: Sure. So you mentioned the podcast and I do that with a, a priest and we really, want to um, talk about things relevant to families so that um, to basically do evangelize or catechize in a way. But we answer kids' questions and um, we're gonna be starting back up in the fall. So we would love questions from kids that we can discuss on the show. So you can find us at on Instagram at Raising Saints Podcast. Um, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. And then uh, I spend most of my time working on my blog, and that, again on Instagram is at Transform our Hearts blog. And that I aim more towards like education or inspiration, trying to get people back into, you know to go deeper in their relationship with Christ. Uh, so I take a lot of what I learn in school and I translate that to the blog um, for my readers. So those are the two places you can find me.
0: Yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning, you and I are a part of the Catholic Podcast Collective. And so um, it's a collective of well, exactly what it says like a bunch of Catholic podcasts. We kind of collaborate. And so you and I kind of met virtually by talking about our podcast and interviewing each other about our podcast. And, you know, we have that similar commonality of, you know, working with kids. And so I love your concept for your podcast of having, you know, kids ask questions and then you yeah. have a priest and yourself answer them. And I also can relate to your blog. I know when I started going to grad school, I was like learning all these things. I'm like, Oh, I have to share all these things with everyone. So (laughs) it sounds like your, your blog is similar in that, like you're sharing what you're learning.
1: It's very exciting. And I, and I keep thinking like everybody should know all of these things. So that's, that's what I do there. So
0: absolutely. And you all can check me out and find me on Instagram at seven mile chats, all spelled out. I'd love to hear from you follow, like, subscribe, ask me questions. If you'd like to be a guest, let me know. I'm also on Twitter, which is kind of more my education account. And I tweet about activities I'm doing in the classroom and Catholic education. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Struckley1, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. And thanks again, Alexandra, for being here today. Thank you so much, Julia. This was fun. Bye, everyone.